Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. This month we're looking at a deep dive into Adam and Eve, and last week we started with that. But we all know that there was a point, and if you don't know, you're about to know, spoiler alert, that Adam and Eve got to a point where they hid. And I've got a picture of something that I did, because I can't tell you about the time that I was hiding from the cops, so I'm going to tell you, I'm kidding, (laughs) seeing if you're awake. But I can tell you about the time that I was playing a game when I was a camp counselor at the New Jersey District Youth Camp. I think we've got that one coming on up. So that's me right there, and that's my friend AJ, my friend Zach in the back. And we served as counselors when we were part of the worship team at uh, this youth camp. And we played a middle-of-the-night game called Manhunt. I don't know if you're familiar with that game. You might have a different term for it. But it's basically a really large game of hide-and-seek, and you have to run and capture people. So as staff members from the camp, we were worth a lot of points. It was all the campers. I'm talking 300 to 400 teenagers. Not every adult was hiding, don't worry. And you can see we took this a little seriously. We played this at midnight. It was something incredible to do. So we were hiding for our lives, it almost felt like. See, there's things where when you play a game like this, you're hiding for a reason. In this case, it was part of the game and you were hiding so you didn't get caught, so your team would win. But we all know it's very rare the hiding team wins in this game. It just prolongs it and makes it intense. But see, typically, you hide for two reasons, right? You can take my beautiful mug down, by the way. You hide for two reasons. You're either afraid of something, or you're trying to scare somebody. One of my favorite things is when my cat decides that he wants to scare me or my wife, that he hides around the corner. If you have a cat, you know exactly what this is like. Just hiding around the corner and just waiting to jump out and pounce at your leg and say, I got you. You know, he does it playfully. It's a lot of fun. But see, when you're hiding, it's usually for one or two reasons, but it all circles around fear. It's not always the case. Sometimes you jump out and scream surprise, and then you scare the person. So it is back to fear. But see, Adam and Eve, when we pick up from last week's story, we really see what happened with them. So we're going to pick up from a little bit. We're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up. If not, we're going to have it on the screen. We're going to pick up with verse 6. And this is where it starts off that Adam and Eve sinned, and they knew that they were naked. And it says that the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at it, and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings. For themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate. So the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, 
and I ate. First off, Adam's just throwing her under the bus, right? He's like, yo, she gave it to me, all right? Like, come on, chill out, God. But see, here's the thing. We see this in verse 7, that when they bit the apple, their eyes were opened. Adam and Eve moved into a place where they were suddenly convicted. This is the first time we've seen the Bible conviction, because their eyes were opened. Matthew Henry words this in a way that I can't think of any other way to reword this, so I'm going to read this quote to you. It says, Now when it was too late, they saw the folly of eating forbidden fruit. They saw the happiness they had fallen from, and the misery they had fallen into. They saw a loving God provoked, his grace and favor forfeited, his likeness and image lost dominion over the creatures gone. They saw their natures corrupted and depraved, and felt a disorder in their own spirits, of which they had never before been conscious. They saw a law in their members warring against the law of their minds, and captivating them both to sin and wrath. That moment of sin really introduced a lot. See, sometimes you joke, right? Maybe you said this, and you're like, oh man, you know, if Adam and Eve didn't sin, if they didn't bite that apple, then like none of this would be an issue right now. But see, this wasn't easy for them either. If it wasn't going to be them, it was going to be somebody else, as we talked about last week. But see, when our eyes are opened to the sin of our lives, we become postured for correction. When we become aware of the things that I am doing, the things that I am dealing with, the things that I am hiding, I become postured for correction. Another word is discipled, discipleship. That's where we get the root word for discipline. Not just in a punishment way, but I'm talking in building good discipline, in building good habits. See, when we see the things that are in our lives that are preventing us from knowing God, from going deeper in a relationship with him, with having the things that he has in store for us, our eyes become opened and we become postured for correction. We become postured for discipleship in all these things in our lives. Because it's then in that place of correction that true discipleship happens. It is in that place where our eyes are open that God is free to start moving because then we get to a place where we freely open our hearts to having him move inside of us. You ever hear the phrase, sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone? This is what happened with Adam and Eve. They didn't realize the gift they had from God until it was no longer there in front of them. Until it was no longer walking all over them. Their eyes were opened to the sin of their lives. They were ashamed of it. But then you see, they were also instantly ashamed of each other. And they instantly, the first thing they did, you know, their eyes were opened. They saw each other and they said, ew. They didn't say ew. But you see, the first thing they do is they go and they grab fig leaves. And I have questions who taught Adam and Eve how to sew? <laughs> like, for real. Maybe it's the image of God and the creativity thing, but like, for real, they saw each other naked and, oh, look, fig leaves. Let's sew these things together and cover my hoo-hahs up so you can't see it because I am ashamed. So you grab these things and they sew them. And I also had no idea that a fig leaf was so strong. I've never seen a fig leaf, to be fair. I've had a fig newt, and that's the closest I've gotten to any of this. I know, it's a shame. But see, they were unaware of God's forgiveness at this moment because they actually had no moments before this to know that God forgives. 
See, this entire time they were walking in God's goodness. They were walking in his grace. They were walking in his fullness. They were walking in his mercies. And they had not done anything to go against it until this moment. So they had no concept, no idea that God is a God of forgiveness. That God is a God of grace. That he is a God of mercy. That he is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, infinite chances. So they ate of the fruit. Their eyes were opened. They looked at each other. They were ashamed. They became people that learned to sow leaves, and they hid from God. They moved from happiness into a place of misery. From one thing, one moment. And see, here's what Satan spoke to Eve, right? Because he said to them, if you were here last week, if not, I'll go refresh. He said to them, surely if you eat of this, your eyes will be opened. You will see. Satan didn't lie. Because Satan doesn't always have to lie, right? It was here that Satan manipulated the truth, manipulated the circumstance, the situation. He went for the person that was most susceptible while they were alone. We touched on this last week. And went for them in that moment. Went for one to get to the other. Because Satan cannot make a person sin, right? We choose to act on this. But we see that what Satan said was true. Their eyes were open, but it was not in the way that they expected. How often does that happen when we sin? How often does that happen when we lie to get out of something? Where it might feel like it's working right now in the moment, but then a little bit later... What I anticipated is not how it played out. We see that from the very beginning, because that is the nature of sin. See, we sin because either consciously or subconsciously, we believe that it's something that will better our lives. Do you ever lie because you said, I'm going to make things worse for myself? No. But does a lie typically make things worse for yourself in the long run? Absolutely. Do you ever steal? Well, yeah, I guess that's why you steal, right? You steal things, you're going to make it better for yourself, right? But then it really doesn't. When we look at all the roots of the sin that we do in our lives, the things that we say, the things that we do, the things that are known and unknown, because we think this is going to better our lives. But the truth is it harms us far much more. So what's sin? I'm going to narrow this down really simply. If you're sitting here like, I have no idea what sin is, and your only concept of sin is I've got a Bible, and it's got a list of do's and do nots, that's not sin. That's actually not even what the Bible is. But the truth is, sin is anything we do or say that is against the will of God. What's the will of God? Spend time in his word, you'll know it. Spend time in prayer, you'll know it. Sin isn't a list of things, do and do not. Yeah, the Bible's clear about certain things not to do. But sin is anything that we do or say that goes against the will of God. Does that mean you can have a sin in your life that if another person does, it's not a sin? Yeah. Because if God is speaking to you about doing something, if God is speaking to you about moving in a way or acting or saying something, and he's speaking specifically to you, and I say, ah, no thanks, God. But God has willed me to this, I choose to not, because God gave me the will to choose. 
But I choose to do this, and I choose to not listen? It's not Dave's fault. It's not Doreen's fault. It's not somebody else's fault that I didn't listen to God. It's mine. God didn't tell you to say what he told me to say. God didn't tell me to move in the way he's telling you to move. Maybe the way that you've been running. Maybe you're in this room because you know that God is saying to do something with your life and you haven't acted on it. When I choose to not act on what I know God has asked me to do, I'm choosing to walk in sin. Whether I realize it or not, whether I like it or not. So why would we sin? It's because we feel like sometimes I've got this a little bit more figured out than God. I can do my way a lot better, right? Like, God, you have no idea. Like, I'm living this life. I'm the one doing this day by day. But that's actually contrary to why he sent Jesus, right? But we choose to walk in sin. And our fallacy is to think that I know better than God. I know better than the situation. I know better than to be honest. I know better than to tell the truth in this moment. I know better than to honor God on my will because you know what? God's going to forgive me anyways, so I'm going to lie now and ask him for forgiveness later. And the Bible actually says doing that is its own sin in itself. So Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit, right? And their eyes were opened. They saw the sin that's in their lives. And their first act was to cover themselves. They were so ashamed of their sin, they were so ashamed of what they looked like, that they were naked, that they forgot God was in the garden with them. They forgot that God was with them. Their first act was to not say, oh, oops, sorry, God. It was, oh, I'm naked, let me go get some tree leaves and, fit and sew these things together. And then, the Bible says, when they were covered, they then recognized that God was still with them. I'm going to pause right there. How often when we sin, do we believe that that is the moment that God is no longer with us? I know I grew up thinking that every time I sinned, I had to go back to church and I had to pray that sinner's prayer. If you're a churchgoer from your entire time of life, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I messed up. I'm going to have to go back to God, to get to the altar, get down on my knees, cry and pray and say, God, please forgive me. That's not saying don't ask God for forgiveness. That's not saying don't return from it. But sometimes we feel like when we sin, that God has turned his back on us. See, sin does separate us from God. But that doesn't mean God has turned his back on us, that God is still not with us. Because there's only one who is perfect, and we are not Jesus, are we? So when we sin, we're often more worried about how we're compared to others than how God sees us, though. Right? When I lie, when I steal to get things to better myself, when all these different things happen, when I step into sin, I tend to be more worried about how others perceive me than how God receives me. Because the way God receives me doesn't change. And I know that God will receive me and my, my plea for forgiveness, my repentant heart, my, me saying I'm going to turn from this. But I'm far too worried about when I sin, when I do something wrong, that I want to see how, how you think of me because I did this. Or maybe I, I'm hiding it because I don't want you to see what I just did or what I just said. Because we tend to be focused on ourselves instead of turning to the God who was there for us through it all. 
Adam and Eve forgot that God was there because they were so worried about their moment. They were ashamed of where they were. See, Job even points this out. In chapter 31 of his, of his entire tragedy, we see in verse 33 and 34, it says, Have I covered my transgressions as others do by hiding my iniquity in my heart because I greatly feared the crowds and because the contempt of the clans terrified me? So I grew silent and would not go outside. Job is pointing out that it's very easy for us to try to cover the things that I've done as opposed to coming to God with it. Adam and Eve hiding is just a foreshadowing of what we tend to do when we sin. Because we don't always sin and go right to God, right? You know, it's kind of like when a kid knows they did something wrong and they know they're being watched and they're kind of being sneaky about it and they're looking and looking and they're looking. We try to hide sin from God. We don't put it out blatantly for people to see, including God. And see, now that Adam and Eve were physically covered and clothed, they recognized that God was among them. What do they do? They hid. They hid. Adam and Eve heard the Lord walking in the garden among them. But here is where we see a testimony of who God is and his character, being true to himself. We see God call out to Adam and Eve, and he says, where are you? And is in this moment because God doesn't need to ask, where are you? God already knows where Adam and Eve were. God already knows where you are. He's asking because he's asking you to be honest and open and transparent with him in that moment. He is giving us an opportunity to get right with him in the moment that we are hiding, in the moment that we need him the most. Yet often when things go wrong in our lives, when we find sin in our heart, sin in our actions, we flip the script and we ask God, saying, God, where are you? Where are you? I had to do this by myself. So my question for you today is, where are you, church? Where are you when you mess up, when things don't go your way, when you get test results that scare you, when your relationships and your family begins like it's falling apart? Where are you? See, we find ourselves in a place where we're asking God, where are you in the situation? But instead, we need to flip that script And we should be saying, here I am, God. When I mess up, here I am. When things don't go my way, here I am. When I feel like things are falling apart, when my relationships and my families are being destroyed, God, here I am. When I get test results that scare me, God, here I am. God, here I am. Let me draw near to you right now in this moment. Let me find comfort in you. Let me find restoration in you. Let me find wholeness in you. See, when God is asking, where are you? He knows where you are, but he's giving you the moment to come to him without running, without fleeing, without hiding. Because God isn't far. God isn't hiding when these moments happen in our lives. He is there. And he's there waiting for us to say, God, here I am. I need you. Not just in the moments of turmoil, not just in my moments of pain, but in the joys of my life. God isn't just there when I need a crutch. God is there celebrating with me.
when I'm following him. God is there celebrating with me when things are going for me, when he's got things set before me and I walk in his path and I walk in his will. He is celebrating much as, as much as he is mourning with me. So where are you? Where am I? See, God was patient before this fall, oh man. And he continued to be patient after this fall. And we see the trueness of God's character when Adam and Eve chose to hide. We see that he is the same through all of time and through all of Scripture. God is teaching us, church, how to respond to sin. God is teaching us how to respond when we see something happening that we disagree with, when somebody is living a life that we believe is separating them from God and eternity, he is showing us how to respond. He's showing us that he is slow to anger, but to speak with wisdom and to listen. Did God get irate? No. Did Adam and Eve get away with it? No. And we'll get to that. But God didn't jump at a moment. He didn't get quick to get angry. He didn't react. He asked them, where are you? And he let Adam speak. See, when we see sin, church, it's our responsibility to not react. It's our responsibility to slow down, sit back, listen, and speak with God's wisdom. Because we're all children of God. And as a church, we are a reflection of who he is. May I reflect him through my words, through my patience, through my actions. Isaiah 27, 3 through 5 says, I am the Lord who watches over it, to water it regularly so that no one disturbs it. It's talking about a garden here. I watch over it day and night. I am not angry. If only there were thorns and briars for me to battle, I would trample them and burn them to the ground. Or, this is the key, let it take hold of my strength. Let it make peace with me. Make peace with me. God doesn't want to strangle the sin out of us. He wants to introduce his peace to us. And to each person that walks and lives in sin. He wants to make peace not condemn, not make signs and picket, not post and share things all over social media, but to make peace. We see Adam and Eve recognize that God is there in the garden with them, but sometimes we fail to recognize that God is with us too. It goes back to what I said earlier. There's sometimes when we sin, we feel like that sin instantly is separating us from God, and God does not hear me, God is not with me. But the truth is that God is everywhere with us. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can a person hide in secret places where I cannot see him? The Lord's declaration. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? The Lord's declaration. God fills heaven and earth. There is no place we cannot hide from him. Yet we try to keep things from him. Even though I can hide it from everybody else, it's not a secret from God. 
It's not. See, God is omnipresent, which means that he is everywhere at all times. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, observing the wicked and the good. See, sin is surrounded by fear, right? And it's fear that causes us to hide, even from the one who redeems us. Going back to that illustration of why we hide. We hide when we're afraid of something. We hide when there is fear tied to something. And we think that sometimes we get away with it. But the truth is we don't. At some point, our sin will come. It'll come around to us. And we see this time and time again in Scripture, and chances are you've seen this time and time again in our own lives. In Joshua chapter 7, we see this with a man named Achan after a battle of Ai, where God gave clear instructions to the men on how to handle the triumphs of the warfare. To when you uh, kind of win battles and have these battles, there's uh, things to take or not take. And God was very clear about what to do with these things. And we see in Joshua 7, verse 1, it says, The Israelites, however, were unfaithful regarding the things that were set apart for destruction. And Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, and the tribe of Judah, took some of what was set apart, and the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites. You jump to verse 20. It says, Achan replied to Joshua, It is true, I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I did. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon, five pounds of silver, and a bar of gold weighing a pound and a quarter, I coveted them and took them. And you see for yourself. They are concealed in the ground inside my tent, and the silver under the cloak. So Joshua sent messengers and ran to the tent, and there was the cloak concealed in its tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from inside the tent, brought them to Joshua and the Israelites, and spread them out in the Lord's presence. The Israelites then stoned Achan. I'm really glad stoning is not the punishment now for sin, but it doesn't make the eternal punishment for any better. See, Adam and Eve had this fear. They had no idea what happens when you do something against God. Just like they didn't know the favor of God and the forgiveness of God, they also didn't know the wrath. <laughs> they didn't know what was going to happen. See, when our eyes are open to the sin of our lives, we are postured for that moment of correction. And that correction is what opens us up to that moment of true discipleship where it begins. Next week, we're going to be jumping in and talking about the transparency that we can have with God when our eyes are open to the things that are of me and not of him. Where we can truly be transparent with God. Because we can. On a daily, regular basis, we can walk in that. But see, it starts with recognizing our sin. It starts with recognizing the things that are of my life that are not of him. As Tim makes his way up to Play something in the back. Where are you? Where are you, church? God is saying to us, now is the time for you to be honest with me. Now is the time to come to me with the things that are weighing on your heart. I don't know if you came into this room with something heavy on your heart. I don't know if you came to this room 
thinking about somebody in your life who is dealing with something. I don't know if you came in this room saying, my life is a mess and I need Jesus in this moment. I don't know what caused you to walk through these doors, but I know one thing, that if you are here right now, that God is saying, God is asking right now, where are you? That we can be open, we can be honest with him without judgment, but in peace and humility in knowing that he is a God of forgiveness, a God of goodness. And that he's asking us where we are so that we can have that relationship with him. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18 says, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God, to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. You don't have to hide from God. You get to turn to God. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask Tim to lead us in a time of worship. We're going to close out differently than we have in a while. But I'm going to invite uh, Jeremiah and Pastor Dave and Duran to come on up front. And if you're in this room during this song when we worship God, we're doing it very low-key. It's going to be acoustic, nice and simple, because sometimes you don't need a full band of worship, right? It's nice to have it, but we don't need it. But these guys are up here. And let me tell you, if you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor Dave, I really need to come to God about something we spoke about today, or even if there's something else on your heart that you just want somebody to agree with you in prayer, during this time of worship as we stand, you're free to make your way up. And these guys will pray over you. They will love over you. Whether it's something we talked about or something that's different. Would you join me as we enter into a time of worship? Blood flow. 
saved to fear. I am a child of God. God, we know that you love us so much and that we are no longer slaves to fear, that we no longer have to hide from who you are. We don't have to hide our sins from you, that God, we know that we can come to you with all that we are. And even in this moment of, of despair that we may live in our lives, the moments of joy that we may celebrate with you, that we know that we can be open and honest and come to you, that we don't have to hide. We don't have to come to church and have somebody pray with us to get right with you, that we could do it where we're at, at home, in the car, at work. God, we know that you can move inside of us that we could be open to the things that you have in store for us, that we could see you in all that we say and all that we do, and that we can come to you and say, God, here I am. Because we know that we are your children, that you love us no matter what, because you are a God of mercy and grace and second chances. God, be with us the rest of this day as we go about our business, having fun hanging out with our friends and families, maybe going to work, wherever we go, Whatever we do, let us walk in your glory. Let us walk in accordance to your will that we may come to know you more and more with all that we say and all that we do. Keep us healthy and safe until we come back next week. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you so much for coming out today. Hope you guys have a very good Sunday. And if I've not had the honor of meeting you, I'm going to be hanging out on the floor in a bit. I would love to say hi and get to know your name. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.